0: The Trudeau government finally passes its Emergencies Act, giving itself unprecedented power to crush political dissidents. This comes despite the fact that there are no blockades at our borders, there are no borders being blocked, and the peaceful unarmed protesters in Ottawa were already moved out by a militarized police force. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed the long weekend and family day with your families, despite all of the craziness that is going on in our country, despite the fact that our prime minister is using a militarized police force against unarmed and peaceful protests, the fact that they went around democratic practices, that they are changing democratic norms in this country, that the fact that the media are there cheering them on and the liberals are pushing a propaganda campaign that I've never seen anything like. I've been a critic of Canadian media for a very long time. I have never seen anything like this, where the media and the Trudeau government are in complete lockstep, pushing a set of facts that are not true, pushing propaganda that is so transparently untrue to the facts on the ground. And we have been documenting and showing you the facts on the ground. We have been showing you who the truckers are, what they're doing, why they are there, the good nature of this protest. And you juxtapose that with the way that the Trudeau government and the Trudeau media are covering this as if it is some kind of a terrorist threat, some kind of an occupation and an insurrection. And they're really doubling down and ramping up that language, making Canadians, Canadians who just get their news from the media, Canadians who get their news from the CBC and trust what the CBC says and vote for Justin Trudeau have such a distorted view of what is going on. They tr- they, they, they now believe, thanks to the media, that there is a group of white nationalist insurrectionists. That's all that the truckers were all along, a nasty group of evil white supremacist Nazis who who are trying to overthrow the Trudeau government. That's the narrative. That's what they want you to believe. Forget about the facts. Forget about the situation on the ground. It is really unbelievable. It is a scary situation. We're going to walk through the whole thing. I hope, however, despite that, despite the craziness that's going on, and it is disheartening. I know that, that, that a lot of people are really upset by the fact that Canadians are having their bank account seized. The fact that the media is painting working class truckers and, and a peaceful uprising in such a ridiculously negative light. It's disheartening. All of that said, I hope you had a nice relaxing weekend with your family. I hope you got some time, some downtime offline off of Twitter to enjoy the things that matter in this life, like spending time with your family and your kids. I I know I got to enjoy that and I really, really appreciate it. Okay, so Monday evening, the House of Commons voted in favor of giving itself the powers of the Emergencies Act. You might be wondering, isn't the emergency over? Didn't they clear parliament already? Aren't all the trucks gone? Yes, that is correct. They finally got around to voting for it. Recall on Friday they were supposed to be debating this thing to to see whether or not they were actually going to put it into action. Well apparently they didn't even need the democratic approval because Justin Trudeau just went ahead and militarized the police and sent them out there to break up this protest without parliamentary approval, without the oversight of the House of Commons again undermining our democratic norms in this society. Well on Friday they said that they couldn't debate the Emergencies Act because they had already unleashed the Emergencies Act and the Emergencies Act meant that there was a police operation in Ottawa which meant that they were unable to debate the Emergencies Act, if you can follow that logic. Monday, they finally got around to it. So the vote ended up being 185 MPs voted in favor of it. So that was all of the Liberals, all of the NDP and one Green member. 151 MPs voted against it. That would have been all the Conservatives, all the Bloc members and the other uh, Green Party MP. So there were a few Liberals who spoke out against the bill. Nonetheless, they still gave the bill a pass. And the NDP is just a complete joke of a party at this point. It is so far removed from the party Of leaders like Tommy Douglas and Jack Layton, who would have never approved the use of Emergencies Act power for any government under any circumstances, aside from perhaps a real war, a real foreign invasion, perhaps, Um, but but even given the NDP's anti war sentiment, uh, probably not even that. Uh, Jagmeet Singh is just an absolute shell of an individual, a shill of a politician. And I I think I I don't understand the purpose of the NDP at this point because they might as well just join the Liberal Party. They're giving the Liberals unprecedented power, they're treating the as if it's a majority government. It isn't. This is the smallest minority government in Canadian history. Justin Trudeau won with the smallest share of the popular vote and the smallest share of vote in Canadian history. Not a strong... Not a strong majority government, a weak minority government, and yet here he is walking away with no power. He didn't even bother to show up to the vote last night. What an absolute disgrace. So as you recall, Monday, February 14th, a week and a day ago, Justin Trudeau originally invoked the Emergencies Act. At that point, the Ambassador Bridge, which was the main focal point, saying that our, our provincial government no longer had the capacity and this was now a threat somehow to our sovereignty because this bridge was blocked, well, the bridge had already been cleared. On the day that Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergency Act using existing powers, meaning that the justification of the Emergency Act was never there. It was never justified in the first place. Regardless, here we are eight days later invoking it. So Justin Trudeau's new powers include the following enabling the RCMP to have the jurisdiction to enforce municipal bylaws and provincial offenses, prohibiting taking part in public assembly where it's considered a breach of peace and goes beyond lawful protest, regulating the use of certain property, including goods used in blockades, designated secure and protected places and infrastructure that are critical to the economy, such as border crossings and airports, compelling those capable to rendering essential services. So this is the case of the tow truck drivers who are forced against their will to tow vehicles, even if they did not want to. Authorizing financial institutions to essentially stop the financing efforts, including immediate freezing or suspending of affiliated accounts without a court order. This is the absolute scariest one, and we've been seeing this used already. Here is Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Chrissy Freeland explaining how the government will steal your money. Here's that clip.
1: So you're confirming that accounts have been frozen, both personal and corporate, but you're not releasing the information. And the actual follow-up is, um, I'm just wondering whether the bank accounts will be targeted of individuals who donated to the Give, Send, Go and the GoFundMe campaigns. Are they considered designated people under the Emergencies Act, meaning that their credit cards could be cut and financial services are targeting them as well? Okay, so the names of both individuals and entities as well as crypto wallets have been shared by the RCMP with financial institutions and accounts have been frozen and more accounts will be frozen. Uh, Crowdfunding platforms and payment service providers have started the registration process with FinTrack. Uh, In terms of the specifics on whose accounts are being frozen, uh, you now have the regulations. The financial service providers have those regulations as well. And they, working with law enforcement, will be making the operational decisions.
0: And finally, imposing fines of up to $5,000 or imprisonment for up to five years for anyone who breaches the above orders. So there you have it. We live in a militarized country that doesn't have the rule of law, that doesn't have the basics, foundation of a liberal democracy, such as due process and the presumption of innocence. So one of the organizers, Tamara Lynch, has been denied bail today, Tuesday morning, saying that she may face a lengthy imprisonment. Imprisonment. So things are not looking good for some of the organizers there. And so there are now a number of reports of Canadians having their bank accounts frozen. So Keith Wilson, who is one of the lawyers of the Freedom Convoy, said this. I am representing nine Canadians who have had their bank accounts frozen and insurance policies canceled. None of them were charged with any offenses. Most had no trucks in Ottawa or elsewhere. The Trudeau government is destroying these Canadians because they spoke out who is next. Scary stuff. Mark Strahl, who is a conservative MP from Chile, Hope. He wrote this, Brianna is a single mom from Chilliwack working a minimum wage job. She gave $50 to the convoy when it was 100% legal. She hasn't participated in any other way. Her bank account has been frozen. This is who Justin Trudeau is actually targeting with his emergencies order. Unbelievable stuff. This is terrifying. This is the kind of stuff that keeps people up at night because you donated to a Give, send go or a GoFundMe campaign keep in mind there was 90,000 donors and that was just to one of them there was hundreds of thousands of people in Canada and around the world donated to the truckers because they wanted to support the truckers, because they supported the idea of a convoy going to Ottawa to say end the mandates. They supported the idea of freedom. They wanted their lives to get back to normal. They believed in the truckers. Go back to the early days. Remember when Canadians were lining the highways, lining the overpasses uh, to cheer on these truckers. It was a community movement. Well, the Trudeau government is now targeting people who supported that movement. It is absolutely unconscionable. And I hope that these people get their lives back. I hope that they fight Trudeau. I hope that they sue them. I hope that the conservatives throw everything they can at stopping this. Dan Albus, who is also a conservative MP from the central Okanagan in interior British Columbia there, he writes this question to Jagmeet Singh, who is the terrible, awful leader of the NDP party. Your own brother-in-law donated to the convoy. Is this overreach or something you will continue to support in PM Trudeau's version of the Emergency Act? Likewise, Andy Lee, who is an independent journalist, she got booted off of Twitter a couple weeks ago. Her husband is saying this, that the federal government has also locked out journalists, Andy Lee's bank account and credit cards. This is crazy. Justin Trudeau is going after journalists. What is happening in Canada? Great question. What is happening in Canada? Canada. Well, what what is happening in Canada? It's a great question. Well, over the weekend, what did we see? We saw a militarized police zone using undue force, using over-the-top force and completely disproportionate force against a group of unarmed and peaceful protests just by very virtue of them being in Ottawa meant that they were the target of the police and the Trudeau government's efforts. And and unsurprisingly, it de- it devolved into a very chaotic, very dangerous situation. So I'll show you some of the lowlights from the weekend of police brutality. And let me just make this point. If this was happening at any other circumstance in recent history, if this was happening at any other Point in the last two years against any other group. Not, not if, if this was not a group of working-class truckers of of people who said we want we've had enough of this government overreach of this of this medical tyranny that we've been living under. If it was any other group, and you saw images like this of the police, the left would be on the complete other side. There would be over-the-top calls for these cops to be fired, to be reprimanded, to defund the police. Any any small act of police using force, not, not even disproportionate force, just police using force in their job over the past two. Years has been completely blown out of proportion as an instance of police brutality and why we ought to defund the police, okay? The same people who spent the last two years yelling about that issue are now either completely silent or they're cheering on the police brutality because they are cracking down on a group of conservative adjacent or conservative aligned protesters, people who come from a working class background. It is so stark. It is so hypocritical. It is unbelievable. Regardless, here is a, here are a couple instances of what it looked like. So first we have a veteran who is manhandled by police officers, need several times in the kidney. Here's what that looked like. Next, we have a protester who is hauled away by cops. Watch for the end of the clip because a police officer takes his rifle, takes his gun and uses it to beat a protester with a stock of his gun. You can see him do two solid blows there with a the stock of his gun. This is police brutality. This is totally unacceptable. Here is what that looked like.
1: Hey, you don't have to hit him
0: with that. Next, here is a police officer arresting a protest and hitting him once he's already on the ground. And so as the police were using increasingly violent tactics in order to crack down on these peaceful protesters, they at some point decided to bring in horses to what, do some kind of crowd control? I don't even understand. This is right outside the Chateau Laurier Hotel, an upscale hotel right in the heart of Parliament, right in the center of Ottawa. They bring out the police and as you can see in the kerfuffle, in the excitement of police going through a crowd, uh, trampled two individuals, knocked them over, stepped on one of the women, including an 80-year-old First Nations woman. Here is what that looked like. This is tough to watch, but here's what this looks like.
1: Oh, come on through. Come on through. What is happening here? Wow. What is this lady doing? Trampling. Trampling horses. Trampling. Stop it. Stop it.
0: Just in case you want to see how bad it is, this is the aerial still. You can see the horses trampling on two individuals who just failed to get out of the way. You can see from the footage there that it wasn't like people knew that these horses were coming. They kind of came out of nowhere. They whipped around the corner. People moved back. These two individuals clearly didn't see what was going on. The woman who was knocked over, the 80-year-old woman, was on a mobility scooter. And from the aerial picture, you could see the scooter on the ground. So it's not like this is an agile woman who would just easily get out of the way. She obviously had no idea this was coming. And I, I, I don't know what was worse the fact that this is the way that the police were behaving and acting or the fact that there was a lot of people cheering them on cheering this kind of thing on and that and that the media didn't really bat an eye, didn't really bat an eye uh, over the use. If anything, they were out there saying, oh, this, this isn't trampling. These people weren't trampling. And we had something new that I've never seen before. The Ottawa police were tweeting in real time, pushing out their own propaganda version of events. So they weren't really taking questions. They weren't really responding to journalists. At one point, I was on the phones trying to confirm whether or not um, anyone had been killed in the protest. No response, no replies. I left messages. I called multiple lines. I emailed. I sent the messages on Twitter. No response whatsoever the only response you get from the Ottawa uh, Police is they're tweeting their own timeline of events in their own perspective, twisting and spinning the facts to fit their narrative of of what was going on. So here is an example of that. Ottawa Police wrote, we hear your concern for people on the ground after the horses dispersed a crowd. Anyone who fell got up and walked away. We're unaware of any injuries. A bicycle was thrown at a horse further down the line and caused the horse to trip. The horse was uninjured. Okay, so a lot of people on Twitter were really upset about this because the idea that everyone who was hurt got got up and walked away. Well, it just simply isn't true. Here's a woman who was trampled. Her name is Candy. And she wrote this, care to correct the no injuries statement, Ottawa police, I was nearly killed. Again, 80 year old First Nations woman, usually this would be the kind of woman that the left would hold up as a victim of police brutality, and they would be on her side. And they would be there demanding resignation of the officers of whoever ordered that of the police chief of the local politicians. Um, But instead, because of the backdrop of this freedom convoy, nothing nothing no no you don't hear anything from the left um in support of this woman it is absolutely wild and this whole nonsense about a bicycle being thrown at a horse again i tried to verify that i looked at a lot of footage over the weekend a lot of people were saying that the bicycle was actually just that mobility scooter because if you go back to that aerial photo you can see how the horse knocked over the woman with the air with the mobility scooter and that is lying on the ground and so people were like is that what you're talking about throwing a bicycle was actually just a mobility scooter well someone did send me footage of a man with a bicycle but he had no in no way in no way did he throw this at the police he he used a bicycle to pull himself back and if anything to stop the police from beating him he kind of had the bike in front of him and then you can see him leave so this whole idea that he threw it at a horse and the horse was causing the horse to trip is is just completely completely untrue okay there is more so here is the police hauling away a protester and kneeing him once he's on the ground here's what that looked like And so it wasn't just this kind of force and kneeing people and hitting people with guns that we saw. We also saw the police start using pepper spray or some kind of a chemical irritant. And you can see in this clip, the Ottawa police are just sort of wildly spraying this pepper spray. It's not targeted at any individual. If there's an individual in a crowd who is being, who is is ruckus and who is causing chaos and you want to target that one individual, presumably that is what the pepper spray is for. No, in this case, you're just sort of willy-nilly just spraying the crowd, getting anybody who's there, sort of punishing them for being there. Here's what that looked like. So caught up in all of this chaos was our own Andrew Lawton journalist. Andrew Lawton was on the ground for True North throughout the entire weekend. He was doing live streams, he was reporting, he was talking to people, he was trying to keep an eye on what was happening in the same way as many journalists. There was lots and lots of journalists from lots of outlets who were right there sort of on the front lines or a few steps back from the front lines filming this whole thing, taking pictures, relaying the information to Canadians and to people all over the world because people all over the world were watching. So Andrew Lawton was in there, he was doing that and for the crime of committing journalism Andrew Lawton was pepper sprayed in the face by a cop it seemed to be targeted it seemed to be aimed directly at him so here is what Andrew looked like afterwards not a pleasant feeling to be sprayed in the face pretty much point blank or at least at close range with pepper spray he got it really bad and because of that we here at True North I decided to retain a lawyer so I've hired a lawyer we're now working with a lawyer on behalf of True North and our journalist Andrew Lawton we are suing the police for assault and for targeting a working journalist Andrew was just there doing his job trying to cover this event trying to relay the information to canadians so we want to send a message to the police and to justin trudeau and his emergency order you don't get to beat up on journalists in this country this is canada you do not get to do that and we will see you in court Unfortunately, Andrew Lawton was not the only journalist to be the victim of police brutality over the weekend. Alexa Lavoire over at The Rebel was beat up by a police officer. This is unbelievable footage. She was pushed. She was hit multiple times with a baton from a large male police officers on the line. She was sprayed with pepper spray. And finally, she was shot in the leg at point blank from a few feet away with some kind of a rubber bullet or a tear gas canister. This woman was brutalized and beat up by a cop all caught on camera. Here is what that looked like. And just to warn you, this is pretty gruesome. It is pretty hard to watch, but I think it's important to show you what was happening to a working journalist in our country over the weekend. Here's that clip. So with with a journalist sprayed in the face with pepper spray, another one brutalized and hit with a baton multiple times, you would think that the mainstream media, that the legacy media, there would be some kind of solidarity with journalists in this country, that you would hear from legacy media saying, hey, that kind of force against journalists is absolutely not acceptable in this country. So did we hear that? No, no, we didn't hear that. What did we hear? Instead, well, the journalists thought it was disgusting, Not, not it wasn't disgusting that Andrew Lawton was sprayed with pepper spray, it wasn't disgusting that Alexa Lavar was beaten with a baton. What was disgusting? Well, there was this clip that was circulating of a Quebec TV journalist who got pushed on air by a protester. Here is what that looked like. Incredibly stupid stuff, okay? Whoever pushed a a journalist on air is just completely stupid. There's no reason to do this. It is mean. It is stupid. It doesn't help anyone. If anything, all it does is galvanizes people against you. It proves legacy media's point correct, that the protesters are just a violent group of thugs and that they're here to harass, intimidate the media. And the legacy media did exactly what you would expect and milk every last ounce of that clip, that that footage of one guy getting pushed That is the big story for the journalists out of the news. They forget about all the police brutality that I just showed you. Forget about a guy getting hit with the stock of a gun. Forget about a woman getting trampled by a horse. Forget about a young female journalist getting beat up with a police baton. They didn't cover any of that. They don't care about any of that. What do they care about? A push. A guy getting shoved on air. That is the main focus. So here's Glenn McGregor saying, disgusting. Every news crew has been harassed repeatedly trying to work. This is the first actual on camera assault of a journalist I've seen. First on on camera assault. What about the on-camera assault of Alexa DeVar? What about the on-camera assault of Alexa LeVar? Did did he not did he not see that? Or or he just doesn't count her as a human being and as a person and as a journalist because he doesn't like the outlet that she works for. Well, journalists again, they milk this, they jumped on it, and and, and and again, this is a big story. So there's a Canadian press story that ran in pretty much all of legacy media outlets. Journalism experts say threats to press during protests, a wake-up call. So experts and advocates say the treatment of journalists captured in many cases on video during recent protests against public health measures should be a wake-up call. What I've seen over the past two days has been absolutely sickening. <laughs> It's absolutely sickening, absolutely sickening, said Brent Jolie, president of the Canadian Association of Journalists in an interview. This is what happens when you have brains scrambled by misinformation. Younger BIPOC female reporters, which just means black, indigenous, or people of color, so younger non-white female reporters experience significantly more vitriol than their white male journalist counterparts do, according to some expert at Carleton University. as an odd point to make because the journalist who has been probably one of the most present journalists on the ground in Ottawa in talking to the protesters and trying to understand this protesters, not even a Canadian, a woman from India originally who's been living in Canada, Rupa Subramania, I had her as a guest on my podcast a few weeks ago. She's a freelance writer and a columnist over at the National Post. She wrote this, huh, basically I fit that description. I am a young non-white female. The only unpleasant experience I had at the protest was from a masked Karen who really costed me invading my personal space so she completely dispels this whole idea that it, that, that young women are getting harassed that j- female journalists can't do their job it's, it's just not true but again I use that one clip of the idiot of the stupid idiot who pushed a journalist on camera whoever that guy is if you know him tell him to give him his head a shake tell him to not go anywhere near a freedom convoy protest ever again because he is just completely unhelpful, stupid, mean and there's no there's no excuse for that. It is idiotic. I completely condemn it um, I'm just waiting for the legacy media to go ahead and condemn the police for beating up and brutalizing journalists who aren't part of legacy media Regardless this whole narrative is what has come out of the protest. So our Minister of Foreign Affairs Melanie Jolie jumped in on it She said I am appalled to see Canadian journalists assaulted harassed intimidated and prevented from doing their jobs It's unacceptable journalists are critical to our democracy and must be free and safe to do their work so again this is all propaganda it's all aimed at the idea that the truckers are evil that the truckers are nefarious they are a threat to our democracy and that the journalists are the real heroes right you know what i'm unaware of a single case of a legacy media journalist who was actually prevented from doing their job okay were they heckled were they were they jeered was there some jeering was there some booing while they were trying to do their reports yes mostly because the legacy media was spreading misinformation and lying about the truckers from day one were they prevented from doing their jobs no they were not Do you know who was prevented from doing their job? At times, members of the independent press, members who aren't part of the government club, who don't have government ID, who are not even allowed into the police, militarized, occupied zone because they didn't have government ID. So so this whole idea that they were harassed, assaulted, intimidated. Okay. The, the ones that were assaulted were independ- independent journalists. The ones who were prevented from doing their job were independent journalists, and it was the cops that were preventing them from doing it. So again, just all totally spin. I'll make this point again on the podcast. I made it on Twitter. I said, this has a single member of the legacy media tweeted a message of support or solidarity to journalists like Andrew Lawton or Lex Silvar who were assaulted or brutalized and brutalized by police. Anyone? No. Of course, not. they would rather pretend that we don't exist they would rather pretend that we were doing something wrong that we deserved it somehow that we shouldn't have been there it's funny how people like evan solomon of ctv were there on the ground the entire time and he was applauded and heralded as a hero for being there and covering it at the same time andrew lawton and alexa lavar the rebel journalists were there and people were like oh what were you even doing in there the police told everyone to leave the police said no media uh, you got what you deserved it's, it's like again just insane with the double standards insane with the propaganda well the propaganda continues gary Mason. Of the Globe and Mail, he, he said out loud what I'm sure a lot of elites are thinking, and this is a major problem. He wrote this: "If you are a peaceful, law-abiding Canadian citizen not involved in any movement to try to overthrow the government of Canada, you don't have to worry about having your bank accounts or credit cards frozen." Fact. Okay, just a quick question for Gary Mason and other elites like those over at the Globe and Mail. The woman that Mark Stahl tweeted about, the working class single mother who donated $50 to a legal convoy, is she, is she not peaceful? Is she not law abiding? I mean, this idea that the, the the that the government is only going after those who were trying to overthrow the government is just absolutely wrong. And the way that they're making a mockery of this working class program, it's bad for the country. It's bad for the country. When a when a when a group of black lives matter, a group of environmentalists or a group of indigenous activists show up on Parliament Hill when they destroy private property, when they rip down statues, the elites applaud them and give them space. When they block roads and block railways for weeks and weeks at a time, the media cheer them on. The elites, like Justin Trudeau, give them space to have their protests. Uh, When it happens with a group of working class truckers, what happens? Well, the elites, they they clutch their pearls, they accuse them of trying to overthrow the government, and they justify them getting unbanked and unpersoned. That is absolutely... Absolutely despicable it is not a good sign. Well, Gary Mason is not alone. Dustin Lang, who is a freelance reporter, journalist, activist over in Ottawa, part of the Parliamentary Press Gallery. He took a tweet from the uh, Conservative leader, Candace Bergen, who was condemning Trudeau for using the Emergencies Act. And he writes this. This is absolutely deranged. A group of anti-vax conspiracy theorists organized an occupation of our capital encouraged by the Conservative Party. After three weeks, the police are clearing out the city as slowly and non-confrontationally as possible. And this is a reaction. It's it's, it's, it's interesting that Justin Lane gets taken seriously by anyone in this country. He is basically a deranged activist who's constantly just screaming at people. And for some reason, uh, some people take him seriously. I, I don't understand it. Well, despite all of the, all of the propaganda, all of the spin from the legacy media trying to parrot liberal talking points and convince you of something that is just not true, convince you of a story that is happening that is not based on reality or facts on the ground, but again, based on what's best for the Liberal Party in justifying their own power grab. So despite that, there were some real reporters out there. There were some real journalists who were telling you the story of what was going on on the ground. Interestingly, the New York Times was one of them. I'm not personally a big fan of the New York Times. It is a leftist news outlet that has the woke mind virus. And I don't like their editorial position. However, their reporting and their investigative stuff is still a gold standard and is absolutely solid. So the New York Times wrote this breaking news. The police arrested demonstrators at gunpoint near the Parliament building in Ottawa and. In Effort to end a weeks-long protest. Well, this really, really upset the Canadian media class. It really upset the legacy media because they didn't like someone telling a different story than what they had been telling, right? They had been telling this idea, like Justin Ling, that this was a slow and non-confrontational police effort and that it was in response to a truly dangerous threat, that that, that the people who were there were an in occupation insurrection, that they were white terrorists, that they were white supremacist terrorists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The New York Times stepped in a little bit more objective and said something different. And the media got really, really mad, the Canadian media. So here is Carol Off, who is a host over at the CBC. She writes this, hey, New York Times, if you don't want to send reporters to the scene, then all you have to do is watch Canadian TV. Try a bit harder next time. This idea that don't, don't, don't send reporters. Don't actually report from the ground. Just turn on the CBC, see what we're reporting and report that. That's basically what she wants the New York Times to do. Well, good for the New York Times bureau chief, Maria Abi Habib. She writes back, she says this is incorrect. We have reporters on the ground, we have a Canadian bureau staff with veteran Canadian reporters. I've covered big protests um, such as the Arab Spring, etc. What one reporter sees, another sometimes doesn't, because they're on the other side of the demo or they're out having a coffee break. Well, it wasn't just Carol off, we had a whole bunch of sort of fancy blue check mark people just getting really, really mad at the New York Times for giving a different perspective. Stephanie Carvin, who is often quoted as an expert, she wrote, she writes, is the New York Times drunk. Where are the guns? Look, Ottawa police have not covered themselves in glory here, but what they are doing is not at gunpoint. Who is behind the wheel At New York Times Canada? Gerald Butts likewise tweets this, I'm not canceling my subscription at the New York Times, by the way, but this week's events will make me much more skeptical about their foreign coverage. So what was it that they didn't like? They didn't like the idea that the New York Times headline says that they were arresting demonstrators at gunpoint. Some journalists took aim at the fact that this only happened one or two times and it shouldn't have characterized the entire weekend, which is a little ironic because remember the fact that there was one guy waving a Nazi flag and that is how the journalists decided to cover the whole convoy. But now all of a sudden context matters and the fact that this was only happening in isolated instances meant that it shouldn't have been the way that they characterized the entire uh, protest, a little bit of irony and hypocrisy there. Well, despite all of these complaining Canadian journalists, the New York Times was correct. The New York Times Bureau Chief Maria Abi Habib was correct. There were police arresting protesters at gunpoint. Here's footage, here's what that looked like. <laughs> And it wasn't just the New York Times out there on a ledge. Jesse Brown, who is an independent journalist, not exactly my cup of tea, but he also left the legacy media because he was so disgusted by the groupthink and the corrupt journalistic practices at places like the CBC. He wrote this on his blog. He said, new from me, yes, police did in fact arrest Ottawa protesters at gunpoint. And every journalist who said they didn't was wrong. So here is his tweet and his piece. And again, that triggered a whole bunch of legacy media journalists. But in this instance, Jesse Brown is 100% correct. Jesse wasn't alone in hitting back at the legacy media and the smears and the lies that they were pushing out. Andrew Shear, former leader of the conservative party, did his own job of pushing back. I I, I, I love the side of Andrew Shear. I wish we had seen it more when he was leader of the party. But here he is calling out the lies in the legacy media and trying at least a little bit to correct the record. So Evan Solomon over at CTV wrote this, join us today. On CTV, as we dig into the police operation to end the occupation on Parliament Hill and debate the use of Emergencies Act, well, Andrew Scheer replied, he said this, which part of Parliament Hill was occupied? You make it sound like the parliamentary precinct was occupied, when in reality, Wellington Street was blocked for vehicles. No parliament buildings were occupied. Anyone could move around on the grounds. Didn't media jump on the New York Times for something similar? Well, Glenn McGregor of CTV jumped in, and he wrote, the parliamentary precinct includes the PMO buildings, the Wellington buildings, the John A. McDonnell buildings, the Confederation buildings, and many others that are not behind the gates around West, East, and Center blocks. A former speaker would surely know this. Sheer jumped right back in and said, MPs and staff moved freely in and out of every one of those buildings for weeks. So again, which one of those buildings were occupied? This is absolutely correct, right? So here, here's what happened. Basically, the media decided that this protest, that this the trucker convoy was going to be the January 6th moment. It was going to be this far right insurrection where they breached capital and they tried to overthrow the democratic government. That is what they were predicting from the time before the convoy even showed up in Ottawa. They had experts saying that they were asking Justin Trudeau if they, he thought it was going to happen. Of course, none of that happened. The truckers were completely well behaved. None of that kind of shenanigans happened. Nothing even close to that happened. There, there were no breaches, there was no violence. They didn't do anything like that. However, the media just pretended that they did. They just repeated this idea over and over again that that this was an insurrection, that these buildings were occupied, that the city was occupied, to make people in their minds believe that this was true, that somehow this was January 6th, even though there was no event like January 6th. Regardless, that's what they kept saying. Good to see a conservative call them out. Okay, so final footage that I want to show you from the weekend. This is from Sunday. This is a woman who is taking a video walking down the street. We still live in a free society in Canada. We are still allowed to walk down the street in Canada. We are still allowed to peacefully protest. The Emergency Act even says that you're still allowed to Peacefully protest. However, here's a woman getting harassed by a completely arrogant, uh, out of line police officer who goes on to try to knock her phone out of the, out of her hand, all for the crime, by the way, of being from Alberta. That that's what this is all about. She's from Alberta. As soon as she says that, they say, "Get out of here. Get lost." You can see just an absolute boorish, horrible behavior from our cops. This makes me ashamed um, of of these officers and. This is absolutely shameful. What what a, what a disgrace to be treating a Canadian citizen this way on the streets in Canada. Here is what that looked like.
1: Now, I just want to get a coffee, okay? Why can is I the get camera in my face right now? Are, Are you here so, partaking? You right up now, to you're me. in the red zone. I'm scared. I want to go for a coffee down there. Okay. What, can I can you, I go, go for a coffee? Where's the rest of them? Do you now? live in this? No, you're no, not I'm excluded here, from the Where do Time for you to go- leave. I can't even go down there for no, a coffee. No, go grab you're yourself in the in the red lead. zone Right now, if you don't leave right now, you will be arrested. Do you understand me? I can't That's go for a here. coffee. Grab yourself. If you see, we'll be patrolling all day. We we'll see you again, it'll be different. Leave. i tell you. I'm Take your camera and get out of here. Do you understand that? I'm walking away. Next I'm Walk away. Your phone I'm doesn't home. need to be in our face when you're walking, walking away. away go. Are you going to walk yes, or are you going to get arrested? I, I was go. walking now. away. Get out of here. Oh my goodness. Hope you can go to sleep
0: at night. So after the police spent the entire weekend clearing out the peaceful protesters, clearing out the demonstrators, CBC Ottawa uh, tweeted out just what, like a sigh of relief, Here, here's what they say. For the first time in more than three weeks, quiet in downtown Ottawa, again, celebrating the censorship, celebrating the use of militarized police zone, celebrating the brutal use of force against peaceful protesters. And Ottawa is just peaceful and quiet, um, as if, as if nothing horrible had just, uh, had just taken place so begs the question if all of the all the protesters were cleared out all the trucks were towed the the police used force against a group of unarmed peaceful demonstrators and protesters to clear up the city cbc ottawa is celebrating the quiet so why did they go to the effort of passing the emergencies act on monday night why is it still in place it should have been revoked even if they put it in place on friday it should be revoked now because the emergency is over the, the the trucks are gone why is it still in place well we've got a couple of clues for you the interim chief of the ottawa police force he was asked during a q a about why police were taking pictures and trying to gather intel on protesters on the ground and he said this if you're involved in this protest we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges here is a clip of what that looked like there's some video cameras that the police are using and uh, some news outlets are reporting that you're gathering intelligence with those cameras. Can you elaborate, like, if the protesters at this point, uh, you know, uh, retreat and go home, uh, are they going to be getting sort of repercussions down the road? Are you going to be sort of actively pursuing the people that you've been sort of documenting and filming who are still out there protesting? What are your plans after this, uh, after the protest is over?
1: Thank you. It's a great question. And the simple answer is yes. If you are involved in this protest, we will actively look to identify you and follow up with financial sanctions and criminal charges. Absolutely. We, we, this investigation will go on for months to come. It has many, many different streams, both from a federal uh, financial level, from a provincial licensing level, from a criminal code level, from a municipal breach of court order, breach of court injunction level. It will be a complicated and time consuming um, investigation that will go on for a period of time. You have my commitment that that investigation will continue and we will hold people accountable for taking our streets over.
0: So even if you weren't arrested during the protests, you're not safe, you're not in the clear. The police are still targeting you and they could still freeze your bank accounts, unperson you, unbank you and try to destroy your life. Pretty scary stuff. Uh, Kian Bexty wrote this on Twitter. Question to the CBC the truckers could come back in two months, three months. So does that mean we would have to keep it meaning the emergencies act for two or three months? Trudeau's response, indeed, this is something we are thinking about. Of course, this is translated in French. So this idea that we're just going to live in some kind of a permanent emergency, just in case, just in case Trudeau can crack down again on the truckers, pretty terrifying stuff. Again, we need to come together and stand up against Justin Trudeau and his tyrannical use of force against civilians. And the legacy media's use of propaganda to prop up the trudeau government it is so despicable on so many levels well fortunately Canadians are saying no to Justin Trudeau. They are saying that they refuse to be intimidated. They refuse to be silenced. What did we see? We saw massive protests in cities all over the country Toronto, Quebec City, Calgary, and Victoria, BC over the weekend. This is no longer a protest. This is no longer a small, isolated group. This is not a small fringe minority, as Justin Trudeau said. This is a movement. This is a movement and is not going anywhere. Here is what those weekend protests look like. And another bit of positive news here: a Canadian veteran has begun his own protest march. He is marching all the way from Ottawa to Vancouver. So this was over at True North, reported by Harley Sims, a Canadian Armed Forces veteran. James Top began his 4,395-kilometer march from Vancouver to Ottawa on Sunday morning, departing from the Terry Fox Memorial in downtown Vancouver in solidarity with the truckers and working Canadians to bring an end to overbearing government mandates. So a crowd of about 100 people gathered outside BC Place. To cheer top on, offer him gifts, and hear him speak a few words. About 70 people came along with him on the march, and a small handful appear to be committed to going the distance with him, or at least the first leg of the trip on his way to Ottawa. You know that this will get news coverage throughout the entire country. So, look, Justin Trudeau can use disproportionate force, he can crack down on Ottawa protesters, but look, this movement is not going anywhere. Canadians want their freedom, and they are not going home, they're not going to roll over, and they're not going to let Justin Trudeau turn our liberal freedom democracy into his own version of a dictatorship. They're going to fight back against it. I'm Candace Malcolm and this is The Candace Malcolm Show.